Welcome to The Wrap, a weekly podcast covering women's sports news. Bears, what have we got around the grounds this week? Auckland is set to get a new A-League team. Gymnast Georgia Godwin has moved has a move name named after her. Oof, rusty. And the AOC is set to spend a hundred thousand buckaroonies on aircon for the Paris Games. That's a lot of money. It is a lot of money, but it's July in Paris. Yeah, I can't you can't not be sleeping when you're competing at the Olympics. We'll go to you for some expert lived <laughs> comments on that later. From the I have an Olympic tattoo, so I'm allowed to make comment here. For the key story, we'll discuss the ongoing pay dispute between Netball Australia and the players. It's got a little bit messy over the past weekend, Bez. It sure has. Hey, welcome back. Thank you. How was your trip? It was amazing. It was all amazing. It was, yeah, it was really, really good, actually. I had a very fun time, awesome time in the States, great time in Mexico City. Loved it. It was really great. How good. Mm, Good to be back, though. It's nice to have you home. Mm. And now all of a sudden it's nearly December. How did that happen? I don't know. Like, actually, how did that happen? It's less than a month till Christmas. But first, before Christmas... The Cyber Monday sale. Is that what you were hinting at no. or no? Ooh, yeah, let's go with that. Oh, that's uncomfortable. What were you going to say? My birthday. Oh, God. You okay. always forget my birthday. No, I don't. No, It wasn't the people- time to talk about your birthday on the podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's the 23rd of December, your birthday. It is. And because it's so close to Christmas, people forget it all the time. That's, that's okay, but I think we should talk about that another time. I'm going to talk about <laughs> the Cyber Monday sales. Black Friday, Cyber Monday. We've got 25% off everything. It's due to finish tonight because we're recording on Monday. But for our loyal podcast listeners, I reckon we'll extend it till Tuesday, midnight, 11.59 p.m. Tuesday. So get on it. 25% off everything. A couple of items, 40% off. Get on there before it goes back to normal. Yeah, get around it. Let's take a look around the grounds. In gymnastics, Georgia Goblin has officially had a gymnastics move named after her. Why did you give me the big word one? She is rusty. I don't know. I should have first week back, just easing my way into it, and she gives me this story. The Godwin involves a breathtaking series of transitions on the uneven bars that showcase, let's be honest, Georgia's unparalleled skill and precision on the apparatus. She described the move to Wild World of Sports, saying, "It's on the uneven bars, and I start on the high bar in a handstand, and I kind of do a forward front flip around the bar." back up to a handstand, and then I do a full turning pirouette straight after. Sounds pretty easy. Yes, I know the moves. (laughs) So it's got a few moving parts to it, but that's the base explanation of it. The technical description, are you ready for this? I'm ready. Can you act it out for me? It's a clear hip circle forward to handstand with a 1-1 full turn of 360 degrees in a handstand phase known as the Vila Kip. No, I can't do that. She joins fellow Australians Trudy McIntosh on the vault, Jackie Dunn on the beam, Lauren Mitchell on the floor and beam, and Marianne Moncton on the uneven bars in having an original move ratified in the code of points. I think that is so cool how gymnastics does that. If you were to have a move named after you in any of the sports you've played, what would it be? What oh, would be the Dalton? Gosh. Oh, I don't know if I've done anything that's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I reckon. I like the little in a way that you do sometimes. Yeah, okay. Let's go with that. The turkey. The turkey goose The head down. You know, it's serious. That's when I'm running really Really hard. Really fast. (laughs) Head down going fast. (laughs) 
Goblin said it was such an honour to stand alongside them in the history books and ask the question after the honour was confirmed, now where should I get my symbol tattooed? Oh. I love that. How do you, as in, is there a symbol that goes with the name or is she going to get the Godwin on her? I assume so. I assume there's a little symbol. Cool. I want to see. The turkey, I told you. (laughs) In hockey, the Brisbane Blaze have returned to the Hockey One League Summit after a red hot final quarter performance lifted them to a 4-1 grand final win against the Canberra Chill. It was Hockey Roo's superstar, Steph Kershaw, who just conveniently also happens to be in our kids' book for the oh, letter good. K. So. And Georgia Godwin is there for the letter G. Oh, we didn't even plan this episode and they're both in there. Kids' book themed. How good. Get on it, by the way. We're just going to have to change the whole rest of the episode. Okay, let's see what we can do. Ad lib. Ad lib off the kids' book. The female athlete project.com, the A to Z of who I could be. Go buy it 25% off right now. Back to the story. <laughs> Steph Kershaw led her Brisbane side from one goal down to the title. She was judged player of the match and said after the victory, I think it's just a fantastic team win. So happy to win the championship and that's what we've wanted. I'm just happy to do my job well and it kind of helped the team out. Playing for Queensland is something I hold really close to my heart. It's where I develop and played all my junior hockey. So to play with this team and these girls means a lot to me. So I'm really proud we were able to utilize our whole 22 players in the squad over the season. The New South Wales Pride lost 2-1 to the Perth Thundersticks in the bronze medal clash with Thundersticks Dependa. Dependa. The old Depender. <laughs> Penny Squib Dependa. He was awarded player of the she match. She was a dependable defender. <laughs> Penny Squib. Thank you for finishing it for me. Player also, of the match. Also, the Thundersticks has to be one of the best names going around. Yeah, I think I kind of got a bit distracted by it. It's such a good name. So good. I rate it. In AFLW. Woo. It was a big weekend. It was so good. Very exciting. I was here for so, it. So in the first showdown that had everyone on the edge of their seats, the Brisbane Lies emerged victorious against the Geelong Cats with a narrow six goal two thirty eight to five goals four thirty four win, They're securing a berth in their fifth grand final. It's a lot. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. What, Let someone else have a go, I reckon. <laughs> Maybe you should just change clubs. Um, I think, you know, I don't know about Brisbane though. I think I'd miss you if you moved cities and I wouldn't visit you in Brisbane. Unfortunate. No, I would. Maybe. Um, Anyway, fifth grand final. And I think when you look at their player turnover as well, they've lost some pretty key players and they just still keep climbing the summit. Yeah, losing Bates and Greta Bodie to the Hawks last year. Impressive. Yeah. The line success was fueled by a standout performance from Dakota Davidson. In a tight and fiercely contested match, Davidson's strategic brilliance and goal-scoring prowess proved to be the difference maker. However, she did leave the field in the third quarter with what appeared to be a pretty serious knee injury, and the Brisbane medical team will be working overtime to ensure she takes her place in the granny on Sunday. Look at her. Do you like how I said that? Yeah. It hurt. Brisbane coach Craig Starchevich said Davidson was in good spirits after the match, but admitted that it will hurt if Davidson cannot play. She's a big part of what we do. If she's there, she's there. If not, we find a way to restructure and come up with a combo that works. Can I read between the lines there? Mm. I think in good spirits means not a good injury, but she's feeling okay about it. There were, uh, did you watch it? You were at the foot. You were at the I soccer. Was at the soccer. Yeah, I watched it, and she landed hard on it, and the immediate reaction was pretty. This is owie. Ouch. I'm hoping it's just a, a bang, not a twist. I hope so. Yeah. Um, the cats were brave. They were they were really impressive, actually, and they pushed oh, the home side. I was heartbroken for the cats. I really the wanted them to get there. Yeah, me and Phil were going for the cats. 
um, with Georgie Prasparkas and Nina Morrison, again, influential. They just couldn't get the goal they need in the fourth quarter to reach their first AFLW grand final. And interestingly, and this is not a slight on the particular umpires that were that had the whistle on, on Saturday night, but I think this is something that happens in sport a lot all over the world. They when put it's, it in their pocket. Oh, my God. When it's tight at the end of the game, they put the whistle away. Yeah. And they really did. Even Patrick Dangerfield had a crack on Twitter. Right. Yeah, he's like, um, wouldn't mind an in the back at some point. Like, Wow. It was, oh, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something along those lines. And they, they really, there was a real, <sighs> Kirst was like, um, they've put the whistle away. Like there was a, a few iffy calls that just were ignored. Do you, okay, would you prefer umpires or referees in whatever code we're talking to put the whistle away or make a call that could potentially ruin the game? I'm from a sport, well, I, I love a sport that is chronically over-officiated. Right. Rugby, Rugby union yeah. is just, you can, if you look hard enough, you can find a, an indiscretion in every breakdown. Mm. So I'm of the opinion that the less the whistle is blown, the better. Right. We went to watch some junior rugby yesterday and may have yelled out, just let the kids play. Oh, just, just let them play. You know what She's I mean? going to get ejected. I did. I got told. But I didn't get ejected. Wait, you got in trouble. No, well, the ground marshal was like, looked at me and I was like, I'm sorry. I know I went for the Waratahs. I just frustrated. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't, it was just to let the kids play. <laughs> you don't, you don't go to watch under 14s play to see the referee blow the pee out of the whistle. I, I respect your opinion. You know, and, and I think, and so that's, I, back to your original question. I think if the game has been umpired a certain way all match, to then have a drastic change when it comes down to the end is pretty rough. I think yeah. you've got to be consistent. Yeah. I think maybe let a lot of those calls go the whole game. The whole game. Yeah, I think you're bang on. But I think when it starts, when it changes like that, it, it just confuses everyone. Yeah. And breeds frustration amongst the players. Absolutely. So Saturday night was already quite stressful. Yeah. S- Sunday pretty much did the same thing. So the Kangaroos, the North Melbourne Kangaroos, survived by the narrowest of margins to win four goals 8.32 to four goals 7.31 and secure a spot in their first ever AFLW grand final. Adelaide's Anne Hatchard took the mark of the season. She's a talent, isn't she? She even looked surprised when she landed with it herself. She was like, whoa. (laughs) Stoked. Um, With about minutes 30 yeah i was like it wasn't i was like is that 2.3 seconds 2.30 sorry two minutes 30 left on the clock in the fourth quarter she flew high and late above the pack right in front of goal and played on to bring the crows to within one point but north held on in a frantic finish and the crows were left to rue their inaccuracy in front of goal it was a huge effort from north who went into the final rounds with many questions questions from the tfat podcast Mm. as well about whether they could beat the top three teams because they've lost to all three of them right in home and away matches this season. They've and also, they've never beaten Brisbane. Never beaten Brisbane. Ever, it's a, ever. It's a big task. But a lot of people are actually tipping north, mm. which is quite interesting. I will do the same. We're not there yet, but go on, keep going. Oh, sorry. I got excited. Um, so the decider is going to be between North Melbourne and Brisbane. So – North have now beaten the D's and the Crows in the final series, which is huge because when they previously, yeah, when it counts, they haven't performed very well in finals before. So I don't know. I just, I'm getting to the tips now. Yeah. They've beaten the other two of the top three, 
Brisbane don't have a great track record. You said they're coming into their fifth grand final. They've only won one. I'm backing North. Yeah, I, 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 I think them playing in Melbourne is a big advantage. Um, although Brisbane have, you know, obviously travel a lot, so it's not anything out of their kind of realm of normalcy anyway. But I just, I, I'm, I want North to win, but I just feel like Starchevich he has something going up there. I just think okay. that 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 club has a belief that'll be very hard to beat. What are we betting on? Uh. Oh, I can't bet on football. Make it something not money-related. Beer wings. Oh, great. <laughs> Beer and Frank sauce hot wings. I'll see you there. <laughs> Thanks for your shout. Um, we were having uh, – I was cooking dinner on Friday night and I said, what game's on? And there was no game on. Not good. I just – I honestly think that Friday night is one of those marquee spots where you're at the pub or you're at home, you put a game on. I just – I'd love to understand – how AFL thought, especially when there's no other footy on at the moment, mm-hmm. it, that a Saturday night and a Sunday afternoon game was the best option. Yeah, I don't know whether it's agreed in advance in terms of the broadcast deal, but I totally agree. It's got to be on Friday night. It has like to it's, be. it's prime time Friday night. That's when people, like you said, you, you kind of almost get ready to put the telly on, even if you don't know what time it's on. You're ready for Friday night footy. Exactly. And missed opportunity. Yeah, a big open window there with no men's football on. Mm-hmm. And I think we had to watch WBBL, which was great. But it was great. I would have liked to have watched the footy. We'll get to WBBL in a second. <laughs> uh, awards chat, are they on tonight? Yes, Monday night. Monday night. I won't be there. I've got other. I've got another panel I'm speaking on. Oh, so someone else is going to have to collect your award. <laughs> All of the awards I'm going to win. All of them. Sorry, I can't be there. Inboxing. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Inboxing on Sunday morning Australian time. Aussie boxing powerhouse Sky Nicholson once again asserted her dominance in the ring, this time with a resounding TKO win against Lucy Wildheart. The ninth round stoppage means she retained her interim WBC featherweight title and stayed on course for a possible showdown against undisputed champion Amanda Serrano. She's good, Serrano. Oh, yeah. This, yeah I'm, I'm excited. She's been looking really good, Nicholson. Yeah, the victory takes the Queenslander to nine and zip since turning pro barely 18 months ago. Serrano is an undisputed seven-division champion, and Nicholson said after the fight she's desperate to be made Serrano's mandatory challenger and fight the Puerto Rican early next year to win a world title in her 10th fight. It's so cool. She told Gather Media after the bout, Honestly, it would be a dream come true and honour to share the ring with her. That's the fight I want. I feel I'm ready and should be next in line. I want to be a world champion in my 10th fight. I have to beat the best and she's the best. You know what I also love about that is she obviously wants to fight Serrano, but there's a real level of respect in the way she's talking about it. Like it's not, you know, sometimes there's a bit of like, I feel like it's less in the women's than it is in the men, you know, and there's a bit of trash talking about it. Yeah. I really like, she genuinely is putting a lot of respect on her name. Seven division champion. She goes, all it's right. It's tough not to, right? <laughs> in football, fresh off the joyous official news of her engagement to Christy Mewis, Sam Kerr celebrated in style on the pitch, scoring a hat trick for Chelsea so in the Champions League. It was the eighth time that Kerr has scored a hat-trick for the Blues. That is eight hat-tricks is ridiculous. She can find the back of the net. And the feat helped Chelsea crunch Paris FC 4-1. Go the Blues. Kerr scored in the 30th, 48th and 55th minutes of the match to claim their first Champions League victory after opening the tournament with a draw against Real Madrid. Bez, you talked about, we talked about the fact that there wasn't Friday night footy on, but I actually requested, because I didn't see the game live, but I requested to see the hat trick. 
And so you pulled up and it was funny because you pulled up YouTube on your TV and there it was. The highlights were all ready to go. And how do you feel about that third goal? Exceptional. It was I just- said that like a, there was an I at the start of the word. Yeah, it can be. I'm puffed from running up those stairs. <laughs> so puffed. I'll give you a break. <laughs> it was ridiculous. So the goalie, Chelsea goalie sent the ball through to Kerr who ran on and had two defenders on her as she was a kicking this closing. ball. A third closing the gap. As she was kicking this ball, she got like bodied off, sent this ridiculous chip over the top of the goalkeeper into the goal. Like it was, I need to put this, the video up on TFAP socials because it's hard to describe. So good. How amazing. She is a class above. She said, uh, she told Dazen, it was difficult in the first half. They are a hard team to break down. Once we cleaned up our passes and lifted the level a bit, we helped ourselves out. When asked about the audacious chip of the keeper, Kerr said, I thought I was kind of lucky. I saw her backpedaling and thought, I'm going to try it. It's kind of hard as a goalkeeper to backpedal and save those. I don't mind those ones, to be honest. Yeah, I don't mind them either. Casual as. <laughs> and in some A-League news, Bill Foley, the owner of Premier League side Bournemouth, has secured, I think he also owns the Golden Knights mm-hmm. NHL team. He does. Um, he secured the licence for a new A-League soccer club based in Auckland, New Zealand. The men's team is due to join the competition in the 2024-25 season, so next season and the women the season after in 25 and 26. The delayed entry of the new club into the women's side of the comp is pretty frustrating for those keen to see the success of the FIFA Women's World Cup earlier this year capitalised on. It is a bit... I wasn't sure what the reason was. I'd, I'd, I'll tell you. Oh, great. Please get to that. Foley explained the plan to delay the entry, referencing the Golden Knights NHL team he owns and saying... I've been through this once with the Golden Knights and we had about a year and a half to really put the team together and it took us a year and a half. What I didn't want to do was launch two teams and not do a good job. We'll have a women's team and they'll play in 25 and we will support it just as we're supporting Bournemouth. Many of you probably don't know this, but the women's team was actually run by a foundation and we brought the women's team in-house at AFC Bournemouth. We've improved their facilities. We started recruiting and retaining really good players. We're undefeated. We'll have a really good women's team and we'll put resources behind it and I'll make you proud. So, I mean, it's not really a reason. It, well, it's a, his reason is that we want to do it properly and we can't do two at once. Frustrating that they're going to do I the, almost the lads would prefer first. no reason than yeah. that reason. <laughs> That's, I was hoping there was going to be something better than that. No, it's a literally we want to do it the right way or we want to do it thoroughly and we don't feel like we can do it justice to do two teams at once. Because my question was going to be, and I feel, feel like, Bill, you might want to use this answer, is that when you're creating a women's team, it can be harder because of the nature of the part-time contracts. The relocation element of that is much more difficult for a female athlete. At Bill Foley. <laughs> on to the next. In cricket, on Sunday, a record regular season crowd of 7,118 were at the SCG. Yeah, we were to see the Sydney Sixers deny their rivals the Sydney Thunder an easy path to the grand final. Elise Perry smacked an unbeaten 82 off 60 balls to steer the Sixers to their target of 124 with nine wickets in hand and 15 balls to spare. In the process, the fifth place Sixers relegated the Thunder to fourth and handed them a trip to Perth to face the Brisbane Heat on Tuesday in the Eliminator final at the Wacker ground. The winner of that game... We'll play the Perth Scorchers on Wednesday for a spot in Saturday's final against the Adelaide Strikers. The final will be held at Adelaide Oval on Saturday night and the Strikers will be hoping for a huge home crowd to cheer them on. Okay, 
So this is it this made me laugh because I remember doing this last season. Because yeah, we've got to do the, the special names for we've them. Got to do, can you do the name and I'll read the information? Okay, great. So this is how the amazing week of finals we've got ahead of us pan out. First of all, we have the Eliminator. <laughs> so third v fourth, which is Brisbane Heat v Sydney Thunder at the Wacker, November twenty eighth. Which Tuesday is what night. date? Thank Today. you. Tuesday night. Oh yeah, podcast day. Seven forty p.m. AEDT, which is four forty local. Then we have the challenger. Second V, the winner of the Eliminator. <laughs> I don't know why the Eliminator's American. It just is. It has to be. It has to be. <laughs> the Perth Scorchers V TBC. Um, again at the Wack Up, November 29th, so Wednesday, 7:40 p.m. AEDT, 4:40 local. And then we have the final. That was the most Aussie of the lot, yeah. which is first V, the winner of The Challenger. <laughs> the Adelaide Strikers V TBC at Adelaide Oval, December 2, 7, 10 p.m. AEDT, 6.40 p.m. local time. So all the games will be live on the 7 Network, Fox Cricket, KO and ABC Radio. There's no excuse to miss it, really. There's something about listening to cricket on the radio. I love it. Are you all about oh, it? Oh, I don't know what it is. It just reminds me of summer. If you're in a, if, but if you're in Perth, Adelaide, go. Go to the games. Get there. They're going to be awesome. Yeah. Tuesday night, Wednesday night in Perth, Saturday night in Adelaide. Get around it. In some stats news, I'm loving that right now there is just, I feel like every month or so we get another study. We do. And the studies just show us what we know intrinsically in our hearts. Aggregate Sports recently surveyed 1,000 adults in the USA and the results, again, like we said, showed that fans want brands to support women's sport more. The results stated that 77% think brands should sponsor women's sports, 74% of respondents think brands should support men's and women's sport equally, 62% feel better about brands that sponsor women's sports. There's some great numbers. Some great stats. Those findings echo those of other recent reports from the Sports Innovation Lab and the Collective, which is the women-focused practice at Wasserman, which we discussed last month. Rem DeRowan, co-founder and chief revenue officer of Aggregate Sports, said, there's a lot of catching up to do and women's sports deserve it, and it's also a wonderful place for brands to be. The Sports Innovation Lab report offered a blueprint for investing in women's sports centred on the return on investment they bring. We've spoken about ROI before, yes. and it's huge in female sport. They surveyed brands across industries, including Fortune 500 companies, and found that on average they were spending 9% of their sports media investment on women's sport. Not enough. Nine. Not even double digits. Be better. While 83% of those companies plan to increase that spend in 2024, more than two-thirds of those expected it to increase it by 10% or less. It's not enough. Again, it's just – just because you get good bang for your buck doesn't mean that you don't need to invest more. Gina Waldhorn, CMO at Sports Innovation Lab, said it was time to build on the company's previous findings that showed brands that sponsored women's sport received an immediate increased engagement and higher levels of affinity than for the general sports fan. When the brands show up, they actually reward brands with their dollars, the people do. Pay attention, they're asking for it. And even if that doesn't help you secure the budgets, just look at the ROI at the brands that do sponsor. Yeah, I like it. It's so good. It's just case studies. It's time, yeah. Stats. <laughs> In Olympics news, the Australian Olympic Committee, the AOC, has announced. So it's only like eight months away. Oh, so exciting. I'm nervous. <laughs> Are you competing? No. Heard it here first. I don't know. TFAP needs to, we need to be ready. 
need to go. We need to go. Might send you over. It'll spend $100,000 on portable air conditioners for athletes' rooms at next year's Paris Games, ensuring our athletes stay cool under pressure. The move. There has to be a sponsorship in this, doesn't it, there? Yeah, clever. It has to be. Yeah, why isn't there? I'm sure there it's is. It's very well protected, though. Ah, true. Olympic sponsorships. Very true. The move by the AOC prioritises the well-being of our athletes and underscores the importance of providing them with the tools and environment they need to succeed on the global stage. Paris 2024 organisers decided, decided even not to install air conditioning in the athletes' village in order to limit the carbon footprint of the Games. Rival countries, including USA, Canada and Team Great Britain, are also believed to be bringing their own cooling devices, but there will be many countries who can't afford the measures, creating an uneven playing field at the Games, which will be held in July, the hottest month of the year in France. That one's really disappointing because I think if we look at those four teams, USA, Canada, Team GB and Australia, we know how well they perform in the Olympics and the Paralympics, and it's just creating a further divide, more inequality for those countries that can't afford something basic like aircon. Yeah, and and look, props to the Paris Organising Committee for using 100% renewable energy and wanting it to be a zero carbon footprint games. I think that's wonderful. But maybe some further investment in that renewable energy to allow for two weeks of cooling solution for the all competitors you know, it, it is, this is the absolute pinnacle of sport and it's potentially going to be 40 degrees Celsius. Surely you can chuck some solar panels on the roof. It's too hot. It's too hot to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I think it that's really the biggest is. thing. So the AOC's CEO, Matt Carroll, told News Corp, the Paris Organising Committee aren't putting built-in air conditioning into the athlete's village due to the commitment, as you said, Bez, around the games being powered by 100% renewable energy, which is really cool. It is cool. We appreciate the concept, he said, of not having air conditioning due to the carbon footprint, but it is a high-performance games. We're not going for a picnic. But we do love a picnic in Paris. Oh, fire the Eiffel Tower. Anywhere. Cheeky baguette, glass of Seine. red wine. Beautiful. They're doing some kind of swimming or something in the Seine, aren't they? Are they? I think so. The triathlon or something? Or yeah. like a marathon swim. Something. There's some people swimming in it, which cool. is frightening because I've seen that river. Yeah, there's got to be some... Measures around the Red Bull divers dive dove into it. Divered. <laughs> um, back to Matt Carroll. We've he said the AOC have appointed a heat specialist who understands the heat, the human body, and how to sleep well, and at what temperature that is best achieved. As we've explained to the Paris Organizing Committee, athletes have got to sleep during the day because their events are at night. Daytime will be when it's hottest. That's been informing our decision in putting temporary air conditioners in the athletes' rooms and also fans. It's an expense, but we believe we'll be able to manage it. So speaking from experience, Rio was pretty warm. Mm-hmm. You had air conditioning in your rooms? It's a great question. I'm sure we would have. Yeah. I think you'd have to in Brazil. It's, it is, and obviously you, you competed at the beginning of that two-week period, but it's super important that you have the best preparation possible and sleep is vital. Yeah, and I think if you look at – you you said it's the pinnacle of sport, right? There is a significant amount of internal and external pressure that you're putting on yourself as an athlete. You need to have ideal sleep conditions so that you can then address your own sleep, sleep routine and mental strategies to even fall asleep yeah. at the most nerve-wracking time in your life, right? Even at your most bestest comfort levels. Most bestest. Let alone <laughs> trying to find 
Getting the wet washer out to cool yourself down. Oh, that's not a good time, is it? Not fun. Not fun. Let's take a look at the key story. In netball, Courtney Bruce, my favourite netballer, Burrah, Burrah, uh, claimed the prestigious Liz Ellis Diamond Award for 2023. The award, considered the highest individual honour in Australian netball, is testament to Bruce's dedication, skill and impact on the game. It was the second time that Bruce has won the top award and she joins other multiple winners, Maddie Brown, who won it in 2012 and 2014, and current Diamonds captain Liz Watson, who won it in 2018 and 2022. Adelaide Thunderbirds defender Shamira Sterling was named Super Netball Player of the Year. She topped the defensive table of stats, achieving 118 deflections, 46 intercepts, and 38 rebounds for the champions. The event was marred by a little bit of controversy, actually a fair bit. The whole game, the whole sport at the moment is pretty deep in the controversial soup. Um, It's a big bowl. (laughs) It's a big bowl of soup. Deep, deep bowl. The event was boycotted by a number of Super Netball players due to the ongoing CBA dispute. However, players that have signed contracts with the Australian National Squad were instructed they must attend or face legal action. So they got an email, right, about two hours before. Two hours before. How are you going getting your hair and makeup done? You, you're not. I could do it for you. <laughs> I would boycott because of that reason. <laughs> I still think the best. I still think the best POA would have just been to turn up in your tights and your TFAP t-shirt. Yeah, I'm so. I'd be so here for that. A, a little kind of silent protest. Just go super casual. Yeah, I'm not getting dressed up for your black tie awards. <laughs> A statement was released by the players on social media that read, the Diamonds are attending the Netball Australia Awards tonight because we are legally obligated to be present. With no agreement on our collective player agreement, Super Netball players have been unpaid for nearly eight weeks. What we have requested is affordable and sustainable to the game and promotes a genuine partnership to grow the game. Netball Australia CEO Kelly Ryan opened the evening by confirming that the Super Netball players had chosen not to attend due to the ongoing pay dispute but that all parties were working to resolve the protracted standoff. Eliza Riley from Code Sports reported that last week that netball's ongoing industrial dispute and the lack of income for its athletes were key reasons for shock decision from West Coast Fever star Verity Simmons to switch to AFLW. The West Coast Eagles are favourites to land her signature and Simmons confirmed that had she not, sorry, had she been able to sign a contract with the Fever, she may not have considered leaving the sport. She told SEN Western Australia, we've had eight weeks waiting for things to get sorted. During that time, I've sat down and had time to think about where I am in life. Not getting paid for eight weeks is pretty tough. Anyone, no matter what job they're in, would be financially struggling. The players are fighting for the right reasons. I think that's really important. Just that eight weeks, first of all, the financial pressures on anyone going without pay for eight weeks is just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But second of all, just there must be a whole group of, of athletes right now that feel really unloved and, you know, uncared for mm. and are looking for other options. And they're yeah. all such elite athletes. I, I think AFLW might win <laughs> the rewards here. At GWS Giants, go on the hunt. <laughs> Courtney Bruce. Yeah, she'd How be great. She be? She'd be a great defender. She's got a long reach. Um, Maddie Turner did not miss. She said, she told Code Code Sports, threatening to sue people for not turning up to a dinner. I just feel like it's a pretty cruel sport to be in. I understand that we're trying to put pressure on everyone to come, but we shouldn't want to come. We should want to come and support the sport. And I felt sorry for the girls that didn't want to go. 
It's not in a good state, is it? It's not. Let's take a look at what to watch. The WBBL finals are on this week, all week. Rewind back, listen to the, the big chat before, but we've got the eliminator between the Brisbane Heat and the Sydney Thunder on tonight, which is Tuesday. The first ball will be bowled at it's at the Wacker. So if you're in Western Australia, get there. 4.40 p.m. local time in Perth, which is 7.40 p.m. AEDT. It will be live on the Seven Network and everywhere. Fox. Fox everywhere. Great. We have another international window for the football crew coming up. And that means the Matildas are back in action. The two friendlies against Canada will be the final. I've got the hiccups. The final internationals for an amazing 2023 and will be held at Starlight Stadium in Victoria, in Canada, not in Australia, before closing out the year at BC Place in Vancouver. Game one kicks off at 2.30 p.m. AEDT on Saturday, 2nd of December, with game two on Wednesday, 6th of December at 2 p.m. AEDT. There's some nice friendly viewing times, aren't they? We love that. So nice. Thank you, Canadia. It's a huge eight months for the Aussie Sevens team because it's eight months till the Olympics. Yeah, wow. Makes sense. And the newly branded Sevens Tour. Sevens. <laughs> been funny the second time. SVNS. That's the new brand. I do really like the rebrand. Yeah, I think it's I'm good. here for it. I like what it, I like the rebrand and I like the restructure of the tournament. So yeah, the tell us. Emirates Dubai Sevens features the top 12 men's and 12 women's team women's sevens teams in the world. So every stop will be 12 and 12. Which it has never been before. Never been. Mm-hmm. That's great. The girls are pretty stoked speaking to a few of them to be able to go to some stops they haven't enjoyed before, like Hong Kong and can't think of any more off the top of my head, but it's great because the boys always got to do all of the We've never done Hong Kong. Ones. Hong Kong's a huge tournament on the calendar. It's a good time. Yeah. I've been there as a non-professional. That's surprising. <laughs> One more very important contest wait, left wait, in the AFL. Oh, wait, you're still wait. going. I didn't even get to when they're actually playing. You off. Okay, go on. The Aussie women kick off their first tournament in Dubai on Saturday against Brazil at 4.22 p.m. and all the action will be live on Stan Sport over the two days. Go Stinger. Go Stinger. AFLW North Melbourne will face Brisbane in the grand final, which will be held at 2.30 p.m. on Sunday, December 3rd at Icon Park. Make sure you tune in to see who lifts the cup. It'll be live on the Seven Network, Foxtel and the AFLW app. And that's the wrap. That is the wrap. A couple of rusty first sentences or two and then I thought you slotted right back on in. Thank you. Your praise is the most important part of my day. (laughs) See you next week. Goodbye.